Hi everyone, welcome back to Logical Bible Study. This is the Catholic podcast where we take a look at the readings from today's Mass and we try to give you the tools to really dig into the text. So we're not just reading the text, we want to really understand the text of Scripture. And so today's Gospel reading at Mass is from Luke chapter 1, verses 57 to 66, and then verse 80. The time came for Elizabeth to have her child, and she gave birth to a son. And when her neighbours and relations heard that the Lord had shown her so great a kindness, they shared her joy. Now on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child. They were, all, they were going to call him Zechariah after his father. But his mother spoke up. No, she said, he is to be called John. They said to her, But no one in your family has that name, and made signs to his father to find out what he wanted him called. The father asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they were all astonished. At that instant, his power of speech returned, and he spoke and praised God. All their neighbours were filled with awe, and the whole affair was talked about throughout the whole hill country of Judea. And those who heard of it treasured it in their hearts. What will this child turn out to be, they wondered. And indeed the hand of the Lord was with him. Meanwhile the child grew up and his spirit matured. And he lived out in the wilderness until the day he appeared only to Israel. So we're in Luke chapter 1, and Luke chapter 1 is a long chapter, and it basically forms one big unit. So earlier in Luke chapter 1, we were introduced to Elizabeth and Zechariah, and this is essentially a continuation of that that story. Just prior to this in Luke chapter 1, the visitation has occurred. So Mary comes to visit Elizabeth, and she proclaims the Magnificat in that visit as well. Now those readings are read on December 21st, and 22nd. That's when they're read in sequence, although there's also other times in the liturgical year when Mary's visitation of Elizabeth is covered, um, particularly on the Marian feast days. But the main time to hear this in sequence is December 21st and 22nd. So we get up to verse 57 today. The time came for Elizabeth to be delivered. Now this must be shortly after Mary left because the text said that Mary stayed until the ninth month of her pregnancy. So Mary was with her for quite a while. It appears that Mary has just left and now Elizabeth is about to give birth. Verse 58, when her neighbours and relations heard that the Lord had shown her so great a kindness, they shared her joy. So many people in the community, she probably lived in a small town, knew that Elizabeth was barren and wanted a child. And now the community rejoices with her. This fulfills the promise that Gabriel gave to Zechariah about John. If you read earlier in chapter 1, Gabriel told Zechariah, many will rejoice at his birth. So here we have the neighbours rejoicing. They attribute her conception of a child to God and they glorify him. This is actually one of the miracles that we forget about. People it appears, turned to God as a result of hearing about Elizabeth's pregnancy. Verse 59, on the eighth day, so this is the day when Jews were required to circumcise a newborn child in the temple, and that's based largely on Genesis 17 verse 12. So what's circumcision all about? Well, there's a lot that could be said about it. 
Basically, it was the mark of belonging to God's people for males in the Old Covenant. When a male was uh, circumcised, it signaled the beginning of the child's covenant membership in Israel. Why did a child have to be circumcised? Well, in the context of when it was originally given in Genesis 17, it pointed towards sacrificing things for God. And in particular, it was actually given in relation to sexual purity. If you look at Genesis 17, you'll see the things that led up to the Uh, God commanding circumcision. The ultimate purpose of circumcision, though, was it was supposed to be an outward sign of an inward circumcision of the heart. So it's almost prefiguring sacraments, and in fact, it does prefigure baptism. So, verse 59, it says, They would have named him. So, the day of circumcision was usually when a Jewish child would be named. Who's the they that wants to do the naming? Well, probably Zechariah and Elizabeth's extended family who have come up for the circumcision ceremony. And they want to name him Zechariah after his father. Now, that makes sense because it was customary for boys to take the name of a male in their family, often their father. So it makes sense that they expected him to be called Zechariah. But Elizabeth says, no, he should be called John. Now, if you read earlier in chapter 1, Zechariah had been given this command by the angel Gabriel. Angel Gabriel says, you must call your son John. And he had probably told his wife about it in writing. Remember, Zechariah had become dumb. He couldn't speak. But he probably told his wife that the expected name for the child should be John in writing. Now, John means the Lord is merciful. And that's what Gabriel says. They have to call um, their son. So the extended family doesn't understand. They say, well, no one in your family has that name. And so they make signs to Zechariah. Now, that's interesting. Why would they have to make signs to Zechariah if he's only been struck dumb? He should still be able to hear them. The fact that they need to make signs to him suggests that actually at the time he was struck dumb, he was probably struck deaf as well. The Greek word kophos can actually refer to either condition. So it appears that he might have been struck both deaf and dumb at the same time. Verse 63, Zechariah settles the matter by writing on a wooden tablet covered with wax. His name is John. And that's what those wooden tablets would have looked like. And very solemn, his name is John. And they all marveled. They were surprised that Zechariah wanted this name. It would have been very unexpected. They were probably scratching their heads going, why does Zechariah want to name his son John? As soon as he does that, verse 64, immediately his mouth opened and his tongue loosed. So the temporary punishment that was given to Zechariah for his unbelief is lifted. That temporary punishment, if you like, has now served its purpose. Zechariah has learned his lesson. That's an interesting thing about this story that we often miss. And he spoke blessing God. Notice that's his very first response after he's healed. He speaks and he blesses God. The words he says are recorded in the Benedictus prayer in verse 67 onwards of Luke chapter 1. And that is read on the morning mass on December 24th, if you want to hear his prayer that he glorifies God with. But for now, the narrative continues. Verse 65, we learn that everyone that sees it is fearful because they've just seen this miraculous healing from God. And it's going to make sense for them to wonder what it could all mean. They're thinking, why was Zechariah's tongue loosed as soon as he confirmed that the child's name is to be called John? What's going on here? What's God up to? It says, all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. So 
That's the hill country area around Jerusalem where Elizabeth and Zechariah lived. Word spreads among the community of all that has happened. Verse 66, all who heard of it treasured it in their hearts. Basically, that means thought deeply about what was going on and what it could all mean. They try to work out how it all fits together. And they say to themselves, what then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. So it's obvious to the people who've seen this uh, circumcision and naming ceremony of John, that this is no ordinary child. God has his eye and his protection on him. And the people in Elizabeth and Zechariah's town know this, and they start to talk about, what does this all mean? What's going on? Now, there's a gap here in today's lectionary reading. We just read up to verse 66. Verses 67 to 79 are read, it's the benediction, and it's read on the daytime mass on December 24th. So, we finish today with verse 80, which is the last verse in Luke chapter 1. It rounds everything out. Luke says, Meanwhile, the child grew up and his spirit matured. So, we're talking about John here. A similar comment is made about Samson in the Old Testament. If you look at Judges 13, verses 24 to 25, similar phrase is used. And maybe that's what Luke has in mind. And, of course, it says it about Jesus himself after the incident in the temple. Later in Luke, it says, they, after they find him in the temple, Jesus grew up and his spirit matured. Uh, similar language. Now, more literally, what it says here is, he became strong in spirit. So, what this basically means, according to Luke, is that John, as he grew, became quite a spiritual person. And he lived out in the wilderness. John the Baptist, as most of us know, spends most of his adult life in the wilderness of Perea, which is actually to the east of Judea. So he lives in a different state of Israel. It's basically a wilderness area. There's not a whole lot of towns there. Why does he go out to the wilderness? The text doesn't tell us. There's two main theories. The first theory says that John the Baptist had a fairly normal childhood and he lived with his parents, um, but then the spirit the Holy Spirit at some point led him to go to the wilderness to do his Baptist ministry. At that point, he would have been a young man. There's another theory, though, which has received a bit more attention in recent years, which connects him to the Dead Sea Scrolls. So a lot of you would know that um, one of the biggest findings in the 20th century was a discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls at Qumran. And it's believed that the Essenes were the ones who wrote the Dead Sea Scrolls. Well, it turns out that Qumran, where all these scrolls were found and where this uh, community of uh, celibate men lived, is very close to where John the Baptist did all his ministry in Perea. So this second theory says that even as a child, his parents were too old to look after John the Baptist because we know that they were quite old. So this theory says that what happened to John the Baptist, even as a child, was that he was sent to the Essene community at Qumran. He actually went to Qumran and studied under the Essenes. We can't prove it, but there's a lot of really interesting evidence that suggests that even if John the Baptist wasn't an Essene completely, he might have spent some time at this community. For example, his focus on the baptism of repentance, that is a phrase that the Essenes also used, and it's not far from where John the Baptist did his preaching. Also, his diet is very similar to some of the codes uh, that are mentioned in the Qumran community. Also, he uses phrases to describe the Pharisees like brood of vipers. 
And who else does that? The Essenes. We have writings from them saying the same thing. Also, he's famous for saying, a voice cries in the wilderness, and he interprets that to be about the Messiah. And in fact, he calls, he interprets it to be a call to spiritual preparation. That's how he interprets that Isaiah passage. Turns out that the Essenes interpreted that same passage in a spiritual way as a call to spiritual preparation. So there is some evidence that he might have spent some time in the Essene community. It's not conclusive, though, because his um, clothing doesn't seem to represent what the Essenes would have worn. Um, But there's some other reasons for that, because he's modelling the prophet Elijah. And we talk more about this in um, around Advent, when we focus on John the Baptist. If you're interested in this really interesting theory that John the Baptist may have spent some time at the Qumran community, the best book on this is called Jesus and the Dead Sea Scrolls by John Bergsma. So if you're interested in biblical scholarship, have a look at that one. It says, John the Baptist was in the wilderness until he appeared to Israel. So when John was about 30 years old, as we know, he began preaching in the wilderness. And you know the story. Many people flocked to hear his teaching and to be baptized in the River Jordan. And of course, the Holy Spirit was guiding him to do that in connection with the arrival of the Messiah. Our text actually says, until the day he appeared only to Israel. So it does appear that John the Baptist was focused on bringing Israel in particular to repentance because they were going to have the first opportunity to interact with the Messiah. So he wants to make sure Israel, as God's people, is ready for that. Now, the next part of the Gospel of Luke is chapter 2, and that recounts the birth of Jesus. That is read at Christmas Midnight Mass. Now, we will look at that as a bonus episode of the podcast um, because we won't have a chance to look at it as part of the regular cycle. So if you're interested in diving into Luke chapter 2, the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem, check out the um, bonus episodes which are available through Patreon. If you are interested in that, take a look at the link in the show notes. Now, there are no catechism references today which actually link to what we've heard in Luke chapter 1. But I'd encourage you to keep this ministry in your prayers. Logical Bible study is all about expanding the kingdom of God by helping Catholics and other people understand the literal sense of scripture. So if this podcast has helped you do that, then please tell others about it. Thank you so much. We'll see you tomorrow.